Well, good morning, friends. Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place to explore faith in Jesus. Have you ever wondered, does my story even matter? Well, stay tuned because we're gonna be learning how one person's story of hope can change an entire community. So you wanna watch it, stay tuned for more. Thanks for sticking with us, friends. Well, I'm joined here with Pastor Lucas, and just to get us uh, started this morning, to get all of us kind of chatting in the comments, I have written, so I have a little bit of an advantage, but I've written some questions uh, that we're gonna pull out of that basket, and we're gonna answer together. It's kind of like a moment that we can kind of get to know each other, uh, both like us here, but good. also with you. And so we want you to participate in this as well. And so as we ask a question, that's your prompt to answer. And so Lucas, do you wanna start us off? Sure. Let's see what we got. Uh, answer in the comments. What is one thing you want to learn more about? Mm. What is one thing you want to learn more about? So the question is to you. It's to me. What do you want to learn more about? Um, okay, this is a really random like niche thing, um, but I've all of a sudden become very interested in like hybridizing like fruits and vegetables. So I like read an article about this apple that's been in production for like decades. And then I also read about a mango tree that like has a bunch of different mango varietals on one tree. And it was like super fascinating to me. I thought it was very interesting. So I would like to learn more about how to do that. That, that is more <laughs> niche than I thought it would be. Super niche, that so is, random. Wow. Awesome. But it was very interesting to me. Let us know. What is one thing you'd like to learn more about? Oh, this is a fun one. Okay. Which would you rather compete in and why? Jeopardy or Survivor? Survivor. That was easy. <laughs> because I'm a moron. <laughs> I feel like you would be I'll, good at strategy. I'll, I'll starve myself for money. Sure. Let's do it. See, I'd be the opposite. I have like no, I don't think I have like social skills enough to do it. So I would just answer all the trivia. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, pick your top three favorite pizza toppings. Cheese is already included. Can you tell that I wrote these? Because lots, <laughs> lots of them have to do with, some of them have to do with food. Uh, if I just do my three pizza toppings, these might be like controversial. Mushrooms. Love it. Like probably pepperoni or like a meat of some type, except yes. not sausage. I'm like a big like no sausage guy. So, so no chorizo? No. Okay. I don't know. I'm, okay. I'm weird. So mushrooms, pepperoni of some type, and probably black olives. Yeah, I'm, I'm down with that. that. Um, Let us know in the comments, three toppings. What's the top of your head? Let us know. Be super controversial and be bold and say pineapple if that's yeah, true. Yeah, if you're into pineapple, you know? hey, own Why it. Not? Own it, Why not? be proud of it. All right, Lucas, what is a piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? Uh, get over yourself. That's, yeah, get over yourself. Some tough love. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I like it. What about you? What's some what's some advice that I guess you would give to your younger self, but then you're kind of giving to us as well. So this is just really a great this is a great moment. Uh, what is one thing most people probably don't know about you? Okay, I wrote this question and I had an answer, and I'm trying to remember. Oh, I know what it is. Okay, um, so one thing that people may not know about me is I am a sucker for Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> like they follow the exact same plot line of like every single movie. 
but I love them. I don't know what it is. Like I just, I, I love Christmas in general, but there's something about like a generic, really boring Hallmark Christmas movie that just like gets me at the holiday season. All right. Yep. I'm with you on the pizza toppings. I, <laughs> I'm shameless. I know we. I've, I know I've forced your family at least once. You know that question is funny because we've been doing like a year of these kind of preamble things as we're trying to just make room for yeah. people to get online. And I feel like we've shared a lot about ourselves. I know. So I was wondering what's left to talk about. <laughs> My parents actually texted me like midway through the season. They're like, we're learning so many things about you. Um, and so this is, this is fun. Okay. This is going to be our last one, friends. Are you ready? If you could only preach one sermon for the rest of your life, what would it be? <clears throat> I would preach out of the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16. Perfect. God so loved the world, and He gave His only Son. If you haven't watched that one, eternal life is for you. That's the good news. And Lucas actually just preached a message on it. I did. So if you haven't watched it, you should. Well, thanks, friends, so much for joining uh, with us. Thanks for kind of learning some things about us, but allowing us to learn some things about each other. Uh, it was just a fun way to kind of just, you know, do a little get to know you. Um, but we're going to turn it over to Pastor Lisa right now as she continues our Gospel of John series. Good morning. Well, I don't know about you, but I do not have a green thumb. I have managed to kill cactus and bamboo and every unkillable plant. You leave it with me, it will be dead. But I know that we have a lot of avid gardeners watching, and so if you do have a green thumb, why don't you let us know in the comments what is the plant that you are most proud of tending to right now? I know that there are some plants that tend to be a little temperamental. <laughs> they take a lot of care. And so what are one or one or more of those plants that you are proud to take care of? Right now, I'm very proud of myself because I've managed to keep a few plants alive for like three, four months thanks to an app that reminds me to water them. But there is something about spring that just lulls me into this false sense of being able to garden. There's something about spring that every year I'm like, oh, I want to try again. I want to try keeping plants alive. and. I stop myself because no plant deserves to die. Um, and so I don't, but there is something about spring with all of the new life that is just exceptional. In fact, I was just telling Lucas the other day that our front yard is my favorite in springtime. We have some cherry trees that have started to blossom and our lilac bushes are beginning to bud and even those barren grapevines that we have are starting to show signs of life and I just love being in our front yard, especially in the springtime. I think it's beautiful, but I don't think it's always beautiful. In fact, if we just go back a few months to the winter, I find our front yard downright ugly. We don't have any plants in our front yard that stay nice and green throughout the year. And so we have all of these barren bushes and vines and I just find it kind of depressing and kind of ugly. <laughs> there is something that's just so amazing about how a bud of life can bring beauty to the exact same yard. We're kind of like that as people, aren't we? You can take a person that's budding with life and hope, and if you insert them into a community, they can bring beauty to the whole thing. 
And the same is true that if we take a person that's barren and dying and withering and put them into the middle of a community, they just bring law to the whole. There's something about life that sparks hope in all of us. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, and we're going to read almost the entire chapter. If you do not have your Bible, head over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, myevangel.church forward slash Bible, and you can get a Bible. If you're in Powell River, we would love to get you a paper Bible. Uh, but if you live somewhere else and you're tuning in, welcome. And we do have some links to the app store there where you can download a Bible to your device. But whatever you're doing, go with us to John chapter 4. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's very important. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and his worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? 
They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Now let's jump forward to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Let's pray. So God, I thank you once again for this moment that's captured to for us in your word. I thank you for the compassion that you showed for broken humanity while you were here bodily. And I thank you that as we go through these narratives, we are reminded of your deep love for us, that there is absolutely nothing that could separate us from you, for you loved the entire world and gave your life for it. And so as we dig deep into this narrative this morning, Spirit of Truth, would you go before us and would you breathe life to these words? Would you lead us and guide us in truth so that we would know you better? As always, would you allow the things that I would say out of my own strength or good ideas just to float away, but would you speak, Holy Spirit? Would you lead us to your heart in your precious name? Amen. Amen. Well, this woman gives us a little bit of a glimpse into the background of this story. And we're going to kind of catch up to the undercurrents of the culture that would have been present there in this, this society. You see, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along, as you might have been able to tell from that narrative. And so it was a very odd choice for Jesus to go through Samaria. In fact, Jewish uh, especially Jewish rabbis, but Jewish people would often go the long way around in order to skirt Samaria so that they could make their way to wherever they were going. They didn't go through Samaria. So uh, great was their hatred of each other, their animosity of each other. You see, the Samaritans and Jews came from the same family. They both descend from the tribes of Israel. But the Samaritans were Jews who had intermarried with people from the different nations and cultures around Israel. And so when they intermarried, they adopted a whole bunch of the superstitions, a whole bunch of the religious practices of the pagan nations around them. And so they had truly a bit of a tainted understanding of what they were supposed to do in order to honor Yahweh. And so there's this tension there between the Jews and the Samaritans because they both believed that their way was right. They both had access to the word of God, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, but they interpreted all of those things differently and the Samaritans added to it. And so to go through Samaria and even more, to talk to a Samaritan was a very big deal. This was not something that Jesus as a rabbi should have done. This was countercultural. This was against the best practices of the day. Not to mention that he was going to talk to a woman. And as a rabbi, you didn't talk to a Jewish woman, let alone a Samaritan 
woman. This was not acceptable behavior, but Jesus was never one to get caught up on social norms at the expense of eternal consequences. He was not one to get caught up on social norms when eternal things were on the line. He knew what mattered. And in this moment, this woman and this group of people, they were what mattered. And step by step, as he ventured into Samaritan territory, he proved that. And so he gets to this well in the heat of the day as they're uh, traveling by foot in Israel. It would have been hot. And they get to this well in the heat of the day, and he has nothing to draw water with, but Jesus, because he is fully man and fully God, is tired. And who comes along but this woman? And he meets her alone at the heat of the day. And this is really important that we don't just skirt over some of these things that are told to us um, as like trite details. They're important things. Here's a woman who wasn't welcome in the safety and the comfort and the camaraderie of the other women as they would have gone in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening to draw their water from the well. So here she was, this woman at the edge of society who is doing the hardest, hottest work of drawing water back to her home at the hardest, hottest part of the day in order to avoid discomfort. I want you to think about that for a moment. Here's a woman who's on the edge of society. She's not welcome there. And I'm sure in the larger gatherings, there would have been whispers. There would have been those sideways glances. <laughs> I'm sure the community she lived in knew all about her past. And there's a reason that she's there in the heat of the day. This is a woman who is willingly embracing physical pain, physical discomfort in order to protect her heart. She's willing to embrace discomfort in one area for comfort in the other. And as she embraces the physical discomfort in order to protect her heart, who does she meet? She meets Jesus who's willing to embrace the social discomfort of doing that, which was not the norm, which was not uh, the acceptable behavior of the day, in order to what? In order to rescue that which she had enclosed and protected, that she had isolated from community in order to safeguard. She was embracing physical discomfort in order to protect her heart, and Jesus endured social discomfort in order to rescue it. Because Jesus never got hung up on social norms when eternal consequences were at stake. And this woman, she mattered to him. And I love that she mattered to him before she knew who he was. She mattered to him before she repented of her sin. She mattered to him before she started leading out a life of looking more and more like Jesus, of, of walking in holiness. And I think this is a good truth for us as people who follow Jesus to remember that people in the midst of their brokenness matter to Jesus before they get their act together, before their mouths confess that he is Lord. They matter to him. 
I don't think it was an accident that Jesus was there at the hardest, hottest part of the day in the middle of a place where he shouldn't have been so he could have a conversation he should never have had. So this woman comes up to him and, and Jesus says to her, can you give me a drink? And she's astonished because what Jewish rabbi would stop to talk to a Samaritan woman even to ask her for something? You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And Jesus starts to point out her need. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And can you imagine her confusion and her uncertainty? Like, dude, you don't have a bucket. You don't have a rope. You don't have anything to draw water with. What do you mean I would ask you for a bucket or a drink? Maybe this is why you're here at the hot, hottest, hardest part of the day. Maybe you're delusional. You've nothing to draw with and this well is deep. Where are you gonna get living water? Are you greater than the one who gave this to us? Are you greater than the father of Israel? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty. And if I don't get thirsty, then I don't have to keep coming here to this well at the hottest, hardest part of the day doing hot, hard manual labor to bring water home because I won't need it anymore. I don't know about you, but I can completely empathize with her confusion. I don't know about you, but there are so many times in my own life when Jesus is whispering that he wants to do something in me, that he wants to, to purify me, that he wants to remove something from my life, that he wants to make me look more and more like him. And I can get hung up on the temporal here and now things. And instead of leaning in to all that he wants to do that, that maybe won't change much about the day-to-day -day of my life, but will change the state of my spirit to look more and more like him, instead I get caught up on how is this going to benefit me? Okay, God, I surrender. Can you make my life easier? Okay, God, I surrender. Can you take this discomfort away? Okay, God, I surrender. Can you add to my security? Can you, can you give me those temporal luxuries that are going to help me right now? Now hear me, God cares about your temporary circumstances. He's promised that he'll take care of us and provide for us, but how often do I think that my hope is going to be found in a lack of trial? that my hope is going to be found in a lack of hardship. And I get it mixed up like this woman at the well, where Jesus is offering to allow me to drink deep of his life, of eternal life, of a deep satisfaction and sustaining, of a deep joy and hope and life that nothing that happens in the here and now can touch. And I get kind of stuck in thinking that my 80 or 90 or 60, however many years I have on this earth, that's really where I'm asking him to work. 
living water. Can you give me living water so I won't be thirsty again, so that I won't have to come down here to this well? Matthew Henry wrote, of whatever waters of comfort we drink, we'll thirst again. But whoever partakes of the spirit of grace and the comforts of the gospel shall never want that which will abundantly satisfy his soul. And friends, I don't know about you, but I get caught up in this all the time. Where is my comfort? Where is my hope found? My hope is not found in how secure my bank account is. My hope is not found in uh, having a healthy family or leading a healthy life. My hope is not found in a life of ease and a lack of troubles. My hope is found in Jesus. And as I was researching this spring of, of living water that leads to eternal life, I found it really, really interesting that these words show both. They show a quantity of days. And we'll say often, our hope is that we are going to live forever with Jesus. Our hope is that we have eternal life. And the here and now, that's temporary. We're people passing through. That's not where our hope is found. Our hope is found at the end, at that finish line, when we cross through this life to be with Jesus. There's a quantity of days we're going to have. We're going to have eternity with him, with no sickness and no pain and no heartache. It's going to be glorious and we desperately cling to that hope. But there's also a quality in this statement that yes, we have this quantity of eternal life to look forward to, but friends, we have a hope of here today. <laughs> we have a hope of then because of the quantity of our days, but we have a hope of the here and now because of the quality of our days. That as we press deep into the presence of God, as we press deep into a relationship with Jesus, he brings a quality to our days that we could not find anywhere else. That's how you can have deep, lasting joy in the midst of sorrow. That's how you can have deep hope in the midst of what looks hopeless. It's how you can have a deep faith and a certainty that all things are going to work out for good in the midst of a situation that should stir up incredible fear and anxiety. There's a quality of eternal life that wells up within us as we find Jesus. And it brings to mind for me 2 Corinthians 4 verses 7 to 10. But we have this treasure in jars of clay because we are nothing special. We are fallible people. If we fall like a jar of clay, we will break. If we get hit too hard, we will dent. This is not something that we can claim on our own. This is not our glory. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. Friends, there is hope in the presence of Jesus. There is this sustainment of no matter what happens, that when we have 
pre the presence of Jesus in our life, when we lean into the proximity with him, we will find that, the strength in weakness. We will find the hope in hopelessness. We will find the life, no matter what barren season we find ourselves in, because Jesus is our hope. This woman was walking through physical discomfort to avoid the things that would broken her heart, and Jesus intervenes. And friends, I don't know what you're walking through this morning. I don't know what physical discomfort or emotional discomfort or whatever you have decided that you're just gonna put up with in order to protect what's most important to you, but Jesus already sees that and he wants to intervene because he cares about what's important to you. And he knows where life is. And he is offering you fresh living water that can become a spring that wells up within us. So Jesus offers her grace and then truth. And he speaks to her need. And then he reveals who he truly is. I'm so grateful that Jesus offers me grace and then truth. And then sees my need and reminds me of who he truly is. And the love and the grace and the hope that she finds in him leads her to do something incredible. This whole time, she has been going to the well at the hottest, hardest part of the day to avoid the emotional discomfort of the community. And now she has one encounter with Jesus. And her life is so changed that she does something that seems absolutely impossible. She runs to the community she's been avoiding. Remember, she's here. <laughs> lugging water back at the highest, hottest part of the day when the sun is the highest. So she doesn't have to have any confrontation. So she doesn't have to pretend to ignore those whispers or those glances. That so she doesn't have to be part of the community. And then, and then she meets Jesus. And then, and then she experiences grace. And then her life is absolutely changed and flipped upside down. And then she acts out of the hope that she has and the life that starts budding on her barren tree of life as Jesus speaks to her and starts to whisper life and grace and hope. She brings her life and she transplants it into her community. Come and see, come and see. We live in a come and see society. I mean, it's why uh, being an Instagram influencer is a job title <laughs> because we are all looking for somebody to tell us something that worked. We're all looking for the quick fixes and the magic bullets and, and the superior products. And so we watch reviews and we ask people what they used for laundry detergent or whatever it might be. We are a common see generation. We actually do care about what's happening in other people's lives and we're constantly evaluating if we could implement that thing in our own. And I think that's what makes this woman's story so powerful. And friends, it's what makes your story powerful. Two, 
Come and see. Come and see the difference that Jesus can make in a life. Come and see. Come and see the one who told me everything that I've ever done. That is another incredible statement. Because I want you to listen beneath her words. Think of what she's saying. Come and see. Come and see the man who told me everything I've ever done. Come and see a man who spoke to me, a woman, clearly on the fridge of society because I wouldn't have been in the safety of other women. So my life doesn't matter that much. I wouldn't have been at a time um, of ease. So I'm clearly avoiding things. And so that a man would talk to this fallen woman, if anyone had seen him, if anyone had seen her, this is scandalous. So come and see this man who held my life in enough esteem that he had a conversation with me. So I can come and see a rabbi who acknowledged me, a Samaritan, with all of the animosity, with all of the strain, with all of the disgust and the hatred between those two cultures, come and see a rabbi, one who's representing God, who wanted to have a relationship with me, a Samaritan. Come and see. Come and see the one who spoke worth over my life. Come and see the one who granted me grace. Come and see the one who birthed hope, who allowed these buds of life to start forming in her life with all of the knowledge of wrongdoing. Come and see. So many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. Come and see. And so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed for two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, I love this. We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. The hope for the one brought healing to an entire community. The hope for this woman brought healing to her entire town. Hope for one brought healing to a community. Never underestimate the power of your story. Come and see the narrative of this one woman, this story of hope brought curious people to Jesus. Who was this man who did what she said? They were just curious. <laughs> who is he? Let's go and see. And the curiosity of this community of watching her life changed, of watching buds of life, that hope that was all of a sudden present in her, allowed them to have a personal encounter and a personal revelation with God. Their curiosity because of her story brought them into proximity of Jesus and they made the decision for themselves. Never underestimate the power of your story. The hope for the one brought healing to the community. 
Friends, the hope of Jesus in your life, the power of a life that's changed because it's surrendered to Jesus can bring hope to our community. And this morning, if you're exploring faith, maybe you feel a little bit like that Samaritan woman at the well. Maybe you're willing to go to extraordinary lengths to protect your heart. But just as Jesus went through extraordinary lengths to rescue it, of this Samaritan woman, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to extraordinary lengths to rescue your heart. That he willingly embraced the pain and the suffering of the cross to pay the price for your wrongdoings just as he forgave this woman's wrongdoings. And the hope and the grace that he offered her is the hope and the grace that he offers you this morning as well. And just like with her, he knew absolutely everything that she'd done and he still offered her eternal life. He still offered her a relationship with God. He still offered her his life-giving power. He offers that to you, knowing everything you've ever done. I know there are so many times when I feel like if God only knew, he couldn't love me. That's a lie. He does know, and he does love you. And he'll never stop. And if you're watching this right now, it's because I believe God is already pursuing you and he's already stirring something in your heart. And he's already speaking these words over you. And if you have ears to listen, you'll hear his still small voice as he speaks grace and truth and love and hope over your life. And you just have to make the decision if you're going to be curious enough to be in proximity with the Jesus and make personal, a personal decision for yourself, just like this town had to. Their curiosity of somebody else's story led them into personal proximity with Jesus and they had to make a personal decision for themselves. And you don't have to do that right now. I love if you did. Uh, literally, it's just saying yes to Jesus. It's so easy. But you know, if you're walking and exploring faith and you just want somebody to bounce questions off of or, or to field your doubts and just to have a listening ear, I'd love to do that. Just reach out to us in the comments or send us a message wherever you're watching it. But maybe this morning you do know Jesus. <laughs> And still, like this Samaritan woman, you can get it all mixed up. And as God's bringing you on this faith journey of looking more and more like him, we can get it all twisted, the eternal and the temporal, the comforts of the here and now versus the soul change of looking like Jesus and having his character that sustains us no matter what life throws at us. And if that's you this morning, I just pray that you would have an honest conversation with God and just ask him to change your perspective, to realign your priorities, to reveal to you the better way, the old ways, the ways that, that focused first on our heart and our soul and second on our comfort and the temporal things. If you know Jesus, you have your own come and see story. And I know that sometimes we can look at other people's come and see stories. You know, for me personally, uh, I 
grew up in a pastor's home and, and I accepted Jesus as a really young girl and I can kind of feel like my come and see story is really lame. There's no drama or intrigue. What would be appealing about that? I can almost be ashamed of my come and see story and, and I can look at the failures of my life now and think, oh goodness, like I can't share my come and see story. Look at this, I am just a train wreck. Why would anybody find my life appealing? But there is power in our come and see story when we surrender our own lives to Jesus. When we say, search me and know me, remove the garbage, Lord, and would you, would you restore a right spirit within me? Would you allow me to continuously look more and more like you so that curious people around me will wonder what's going on? Would you give me doors open and opportunities to speak that which you're doing in my life? And would you allow even just the momentary interactions with me to be so full of your spirit that it's noticeable. Your story is powerful because your story is full of Jesus. Part of our mission statement here at Evangel Church is to look more and more like Jesus each day. I pray, friends, as we walk that statement out, that we will have the same moment as John 4, 42. We no longer believe just because of what you said. We no longer believe just by watching you. But now, because we were curious about your counterculture life of looking more and more like Jesus in a, a world that's looking less and less like him. Now, we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Your story matters and what Jesus did in your life and is still doing in your life, it matters. It's the come and see that will make people curious and will allow us to offer the come with me, come see this man, the close proximity so that they can make a personal decision for themselves about who Jesus is to them. Let's be good witnesses, a light on a hill that can never be hidden. Hope for the one brings healing to a community, not because of us, but because we can bring curious people to Jesus. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you loved the entire world. That you, Jesus, came to die on the cross for the sins of all. That you, in a holy exchange, offer us life and hope and freedom and forgiveness when we have nothing to offer you. I pray that you would arrest our hearts once again when we just start to trivialize uh, what you've done. When we make a relationship with you less than it truly is. When we are tempted to think that you're that genie in a bottle who's just gonna fulfill all of our wishes and give us a life of ease and comfort. When really you've called us to a mission and that mission is not one that's easy, but you've asked us to continuously walk, to be continuously transformed into your likeness. You've asked us to share the hope that we have You've asked us 
to be your image bearers, to be your witness, to, to shine your light to the world around us, that they too may know you. And I thank you that that is the only thing you've called us to, is to share the hope that we have and the rest you birth salvation and you are the one that draws people to you. And so you've asked us just to be faithful in our part of sharing our come and see stories. So would you tear down whatever things are there that would keep us from doing that? shame or guilt or the lies of the enemy or fear of man or whatever is going to stand in the way of us proudly saying, Jesus made a difference in my life. Jesus rescued me from death and destruction. Come and see. Come and see the one who knows everything about me and still loves me. Come and see for yourself. So I do pray for those holy moments. I pray for inroads and opportunities to share our come and see stories. And I thank you that when your church, when your people rise up in life and hope, when we are so grateful for the fact that you change our life, that the hope of the one can bring healing to a community. And so we pray that over Powell River. We pray that over the communities of, of others who are watching that aren't in this region, that their come and see story, the hope of the one would bring healing to their community as they lead others into personal proximity with you. We love you. I thank you that you are not done with us. I thank you that you are still moving. You are still calling people to, our, to yourself. And you are still going forth in power and might. And we stand in awe of your grace and mercy and compassion once again. We love you. And what an honor it is to surrender our lives to the one who has saved us. In your precious name. Amen. Thanks, friends. Uh, I got to say, I've heard that story so many times in the church growing up, mm -hmm. um, but that was just a great kind of angle and perspective, yeah. just speaking to just the impact of that one life meeting Jesus, uh, being impacted by Jesus, and then it, it being a witness to the entire community. And that, that was, uh, you, you can't discount the power of, of one person's story. Yeah, for sure. And so I think that goes for every one of us. God can use our story to glorify himself. And uh, yeah, that's just a great thing. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of like kind of impacting community, uh, one of the things that has taken a little bit of a pause, but is now back is a community group online. And so we started at that actually this past Thursday. Um, but there is still time for you to join. There is still space for you. And so if you want to join uh, in our community group online, it's Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. Uh, and if you go to myevangel.church forward slash live, it'll give you the Zoom link for that uh, so that you can jump on and join the community with us. And then the next one is, uh, this is a PSA. It's, it's a PSA uh, for, for, for mostly for us. Anyone with a mother. Yep. And, so, for, and probably for men. Yeah. Yeah. So if you are a male or if you have a mother, this is for you. Uh, it is Mother's Day coming up in two weeks from now. So May 9th. Make sure you mark it on your calendars, like circle it with a red pen or something. 
um, because this is a moment that we get to honor our moms. And so we just wanted to give you just a quick heads up about that um, so that you can have that in mind uh, for showering your mom in love. Yes, my favorite thing about Facebook is when it reminds me of, you know, things like anniversaries yeah. and birthdays. And so this, we're just we're just doing our part to help you you guys out. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't, uh, if you if you're new with us and you kind of are wondering what we're about, we are a church. We're a local church yep. in Powell River, British Columbia, and uh, we have ministry in this town. And we, uh, we 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 are planted here to be a blessing to Powell River and, and to be a lighthouse of this gospel message yep. uh, that. It means everything and changes everything and so uh, for those of you that are part of our local assembly uh, we want to just give you opportunity to continue to tithe and to bring your first fruits into the storehouse as a, as a biblical principle of faithfulness and so uh, you can do that at myevangel.church forward slash give you can learn all the different ways to give by just going there so thanks for joining us have a great week everyone uh, we're, we're right now it's really sunny when we're recording but i think it may be raining now yeah. while this is being broadcasted so uh hey enjoy the rain we need yeah. the rain god bless everyone see you friends